Hello, and welcome to the second season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Sean Williams. Sean is the executive producer of Gideon Productions, and he has worked as a studio musician and audio producer for more than 30 years, recording nearly 2,500 pieces of music. His writing has been published in The New Yorker, Slate, and The Huffington Post, as well as many parenting magazines. We're going to talk today about how composer and lyricist David Yazbek uses genre and tropes in the musical The Band's Visit. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, we are going to get right into our first section, which is our get to know our guest questions. Great. Uh, What was your first experience with a musical? The first experience I really had with musicals as a kid was the soundtrack to West Side Story, which we listened to constantly. And I I feel like we had it on cassette tape. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or like a bunch of cassette tapes, I'm pretty sure. The first show I was ever in, I was eight years old. And it was a show called The Education of Hyman Kaplan, which... Oh, I have not heard of Yeah, this. I mean, like, <laughs> so, so here's what's great about this show. Um, it apparently ran for 41 performances on Broadway oh. in 1968. Opening night, during intermission, the house manager or whatever announced to the entire audience that Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. Wow. And so... Everyone came back for like the second half of the show, but it was terrible. And like the show completely fell apart. What is the last great musical you saw? The last great musical that I saw by myself, what is one of the most transporting theatrical things that's ever happened to me, it was um, a show called Ghost Quartet by Dave Malloy. Oh yeah, I saw that. At, did you see it at the Bushwick Star? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. Because now I've seen it at the Bushwick Star, and I've seen it around a campfire upstate, and I've seen oh, it wow. in a couple of different places. Dave Malloy is probably my favorite writer writing right now, and uh, he, the, the music is really gorgeous too. So th- then the other thing is I saw with my eight-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. Wicked. Oh, yeah. Which was amazing. It was amazing. And I'm it's a big like, fan of Wicked. Oh, my so, God. It's yeah. incredible. When the lights came up at the end of the first act after she does um, the, Defying Gravity, Gravity and yeah. she's just like up in the sky, the lights come on and I am destroyed. Like my <laughs> shirt is wet from crying. I mean, I think that moment where she, at the end of that song where she rises up with that, that build and that's well in the music it's like it's pretty much one of the greatest moments on in musical theater i think absolutely i totally agree maybe the most sort of magical experience i had was um my eldest my 12 year old is non-binary mm-hmm. and i took them to see fun home oh. and like sitting with fun home with my kid and watching them like watch ring of keys and watching them yeah. see these characters who are sort of stumbling through gender identity in a family that doesn't understand them, like in in a world that doesn't even know how to process gender non-binary or any kind of queer lifestyle. And like knowing that my kid 
gets to grow up in New York mm-hmm. and like they get to identify as non-binary and then it's just done. Yeah. Like it's they them pronouns, all their teachers, all their friends know it. Right. It's just done. And yeah. so for them to get a little piece of like of history and also um for them to get to see like just how how beautiful those feelings are yeah. like that it's not always going to be a like a binary heterosexual life that is yeah. celebrated which writers uh both of the past and working today do you admire most i really really love irving berlin mm. uh there is a way that he writes music that i think particularly now we need to remember Mm. which is that he when you say the words to the songs that he writes they sound like the song Mm. so he says a thing exactly in the song the way that an actor would say them if they were trying to like you know I, and this mm-hmm. is not to this is not to poo-poo any modern music or right, whatever. Right. But if we were talking about something, and I said I'm knock knock knocking on the glass, you would be like, "Why are you repeating that word so many times?" <laughs> like it would just be a strange thing. Yeah. But like in Irving Berlin, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, like in cheek, oh, in cheek to cheek is a perfect mm-hmm. example. As an actor, you would somebody said to you like, "How are you doing?" And you would say heaven I'm in heaven mm-hmm. and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak yeah and I seem to find the happiness I seek when we're out together dancing mm-hmm. cheek to cheek <laughs> and it's like he has set it up so that yeah. when you sing it you don't have to do anything but right. sing the song and it does like everything he mm-hmm. wants it to do like a, a modern writer might look at a lyric like that and say heaven i'm in heaven and be like oh that i that's a that's a beautiful open vowel Mm. it's a it's i like it's the subject of the noun i'm gonna give that a giant high note and they'll be able to really rip into it (laughs) and like just sing the crap out of it and it's like um but the point of the line is i'm in heaven yeah like heaven is where the downbeat is supposed to be i'm thinking about my favorite Irving Berlin song, which is What'll I Do. Yes. Um, oh, God. Perfect little song. Yeah. Yeah, the What'll I Do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a perfect example. There's a, a writer right now who I don't think is doing anything for the theater specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Rebecca Sugar, and she is probably um, one of the most important and one of the most talented musicians currently Hmm. like of her age she um is the executive producer and showrunner of the show uh steven universe which is a um uh, it's a cartoon show for Uh kids but it is nuts it (laughs) is it's incredible and a lot of the episodes are fully musicals and they are she can write in every style and she does the thing that you're supposed to do where you she matches the style to the moment yeah and um she i mean on the show the the voice actors are like patty lapone and christine ebersol and oh my gosh i want to watch this show yeah 
What's a musical people might be surprised to find out you love? There is a show um, called, uh, it's based on the book uh, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. Oh, yeah. And there's a musical of it. The light, Yeah, The Lightning Thief. It is spectacular. It's everything it's supposed to be. It's, yeah. it's like, and uh, keeping in mind the fact that I tend to always like everything, <laughs> there is this like wave of shows that for some reason just don't, mean anything to me yeah there's there's this like new pop sound that isn't that somehow my old brain just isn't get it's not getting in there and it sort of started with like next to normal but lightning thief it does work inside that world but it's so charming it's so responsible Mm -hmm. like it's so responsible for your time yeah it doesn't it, it's like, we're going to give you everything we need, and we're not going to force you to take any medicine. <laughs> we're not going to, like, we're going we're gonna to give you what you need in terms of plot, in terms of enjoyment, in terms of character. Yeah. We're going to develop all of it, and, um, and then we're going to let you go home. Well, let us get to our topic. i um, very excited to talk about the band's visit and David Yazbek and... Genre and form. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about genre and form. How okay. are you, How are you? I guess, defining that and what you're going to be talking about? Right. Um, so in my mind, first of all, like um, when with the things that I've produced in the past, um, we have, we've always used genre as a language to sort of, create shows so we'll do something that is clearly a comedy set in an office building with a bunch of people like going to work together and then it'll actually be like a criticism of um like religious cults Mm. like we take genre we take all of your expectations and then we subvert them and talk about something different right and genre in that case to me means the overall um, category that a show fits in. So if it's horror, if it's drama, if it's comedy, but he, there are smaller, you know, subcategories to that. So because right. there's romantic comedies and situation comedies, and so like, but all of those things each has their own genre, and mm-hmm. within each genre, there are these tropes. These mm-hmm. there are these like things we we know are going to happen. Yeah. So if you are watching a fantasy movie and someone shows up with snakes, (laughs) like, you know, that's a bad guy, right? Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a trope when you're watching a horror movie and someone's going to go take a shower. Right. You, you know what the next three minutes is going to be like. And so, and in, in musical theater, particularly, we have those tropes that we use all the time. Um, uh, which everybody knows and everybody talks about like the charm song and the I want song and like this is the world we live in song and mm-hmm. like all of those different all of those different things that we do right but um, but what really excites me is when people use different musical tropes to help tell the story mm-hmm. so like whatever and particularly if they subvert the the genre in doing so yeah that's all really exciting to me right right so let's then talk about 
the band's visit. Okay. And uh, so, uh, how do you think that David Yazbek is using those uh, genre and tropes in right. that, in specifically in that show? Throughout the band's visit, you have all of these songs that fit the standard musical theater requirements. Mm-hmm. You know, so like. But in every case, he subverts them. Mm. In every case, he turns them on their head. Yeah. So like when, usually in a, at the beginning of a show, you introduce the world of the show. So there are all of these songs that are like these amazing um, opening the show songs. I think actually the very best one ever is Tradition from Fiddler because yeah. it's not only like, I'm, you know, and this is Anatevka, and this is me, and these are my wives. But it's also, it introduces the conflict of the whole show. Right. They're like, here we are, and here's our theme. Right. And here are the characters, and here's what we'll be struggling with. Yeah, I have, like, this thing with Fiddler is that, like, they knew the theme was tradition. Right. And so they have the first song about tradition, and then how does every other song and scene and moment relate Right, right. (laughs) And then like one of the last moments in the show, Mm -hmm. which is heartbreaking, and they're leaving Anatevka, and like Golda sweeps out the house because she doesn't want to leave a dirty house. (laughs) And like as they leave, Tevye's putting his hat on his head, Mm -hmm. and he says, maybe this is why we always wear our hats. Mm. Like the final moment of the play is him hearkening back to the tradition that he didn't know the answer to at the beginning. Yeah. He was like, why do we wear our hats? Tradition. Like, he didn't have an answer. Right. And now he's like, right, because we always run for our lives. Right. That's why. And it's, it's, a, it's a shattering moment, but it's all set up by that first song. Yeah. Um, in Band's Visit, the first song is Waiting. Right. And so they really do set up the world by just saying, this is who we are. Yeah. This is what we do. Then, like, that idea of, like, how that theme carries through. I was listening to the song. It's not a song. It's The Park. Yes. Where Katrina Lang's character mm-hmm. and Tufik are talking, and, and they're looking at this park that uh, is barely a park. And she asks him, when you are leading the orchestra and they're all looking up at you waiting, what is that like? And he, like doesn't answer and the music just takes over yeah um and I was like wow like what is this this waiting what is that way what is she thinking about or wondering about that kind of waiting yeah and why can't he answer that question yeah yeah it's beautiful all the way through the play there are all of these moments of everybody saying we're just waiting for the thing to happen and we don't even know what it is Right. And he even at the beginning in the song Waiting, and he says, um, waiting, I don't know, for something to happen, maybe. Right. <laughs> just waiting for something to change. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but that is the sort of like, when you see Natasha Pierre, mm-hmm. he's like, here's this guy, this guy, this guy. I can describe everybody with one word. Mm-hmm. Open up your program. It's right. a complicated Russian novel. Everyone's got <laughs> nine different names. And for this, it's almost like, look, you're not going to need to know anyone's name. 
-hmm. you're not even going to really need to know all the intricacies of the relationships. Yeah. You just have to know how much, how frozen we all are. Right. And that, it's such a, it, it's such a beautiful use of that trope. Yeah. It's such a beautiful use of that opening moment. And all the way through, he takes the standard musical theater trope and turns it on its head so that when um, Poppy Hears the Ocean mm -hmm. is like a charm song. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like it's the funny character doing a funny song. It's Shapoopy. <laughs> it's, it's the funny character doing a funny song yeah. about how terrible he is with girls. Yeah. It's followed immediately by one of the most beautiful songs in the show mm -hmm. where the Israeli music, or no, I'm sorry, the Arab musician, mm -hmm. like Poppy says, um, I know that you think I should keep on trying. I know you think I should break the ice, mm -hmm. but I can't, I can't do this. And there's no dialogue. Like mm -hmm. there's, because David Yazbek, doesn't care he's just mm -hmm. like no this is where another song is <laughs> and that song moves directly out of this like fun funky song into this beautiful lush american songbook style mm -hmm. piece of music where the first lyric is not break the ice melt the ice mm -hmm. and it goes directly into his friend saying this is how you can move through this. You don't, mm -hmm. it's as if you got to the end of Shapoopy and somebody pulled the guy aside and said, here's how you cannot be a ridiculous boob. Like, <laughs> there's a, there is a life of dignity waiting for you. We gotta summon Meredith Wilson and <laughs> tell him that there was a, there's a song in the music there's man. There's a song in the music man. And he, he forgot to he write. He forgot to write, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but so that's the, all the way through the band's visit. Like the big I want song that is, you know, you're, you're expecting for that, you know, the, the thing where, where the, the character is like yearning for whatever it is they actually want. Right. That doesn't happen until after the park mm. when Katrina Lank is, she, she has already sung about Omar Sharif. She's already sung about like what it was like to get rid of her, to watch her husband leave and her dreams shattered. And then she's watching him as he's trying to describe what it's like to conduct. Yeah. And she's like, like, look at his hands. Those are not young hands. Right. And like, what is he thinking about? Is he thinking about wishing? And she even, one of the lyrics is even, um, maybe I'm the one who's fishing. Like, mm -hmm. maybe I'm wanting more from this right. than I can get. I'm putting something onto this that's not there. Yeah. Yeah. I just love it. It's like everything about the show thwarts your expectations yeah. from beginning to end. Well, let's talk about Waiting, the opening number, okay. um, and just musically what it's doing. So like when it starts, you get that, that octave jump, mm -hmm. and then it pops around the top octave. Yeah. Um, and it still it stays on the same, I believe it's a G, but I'm just hearing it in my head. Mm -hmm. And... Then when they start, and then it's so great. So this bass riff comes in. Mm -hmm. It's it's hanging around the same note. It's giving you flavors on either side, but yeah. it just keeps popping up and down the octave. And then this woodblock so sound comes in, <laughs> just slowly knocking the quarter notes. Mm -hmm. And it sounds exactly like a stopwatch. Mm. It sounds exactly like you're just 
like what you do when you're waiting in in class and you're watching the clock right. move. Right. The the second hand. Yeah. Even, exactly. Yeah. Just talking away. Yeah. And then um and then they start the song and as they start they keep staying on that G. Mm. So they they start below, come up to the G, and then they keep popping around, popping up and over. Waiting, what's new here? You're waiting, I'm waiting, cause that's what we do here. Same as we do every day for something I don't know. To happen, you know, just something different to happen. Just waiting for something to change, just a change. Sometimes it feels like we're moving in a circle around and around with the same. He keeps getting closer and closer and closer to the G. So it starts out like it's a fifth and then a fourth and then a third. Yeah. And then at the very, at right like before he gets to the very end of it, he's singing seconds on either side of the G. Mm. And then he lands back on the G and can't get away from it. Yeah. The next guy comes in and singing, sings like, um, sometimes I feel like I'm moving in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> and as he does that, he he's bouncing around the same G, tightening and tightening and tightening until yeah. he can't get away from it again. And then, of course, it's not that simple because there are these gorgeous, lush Gershwin chords mm -hmm. that the whole chorus sings along with them. Um, and then when Katrina Lenk's character sings her mm -hmm. version, it's in a new key. It's a new melody line. Mm -hmm. But she's also saying, I think we're not, I think it's important to look at this in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like her, her lyric matches the musical motion perfectly. Yeah. She says, um, I think there's two kinds of waiting. There's the kind of waiting where you're, you're waiting for something new or something strange. But this kind of waiting is when you're looking out into the distance, even though you know it's never going to change. Mm -hmm. And when she does that, when she says this kind of waiting, she's drifting back to G. She's yeah. drifting back to the key that we're supposed to be in. And when she does that, she lands on the G mm. and she just holds it. Mm. And everyone starts singing around her. There's the kind where you're expecting something new or even strange. But this kind of waiting, you keep looking off out into the distance. Even though you know the view is never gonna change. there's this pedal tone that goes through the entire thing that's like not letting any motion happen. I'm thinking of like the image of like a, a planet. Yeah. <laughs> like, and any, like sucking in like with gravity, all the, anything that tries to escape. I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's exactly what it is. And I think people have used that in in a lot of different ways. Like mm -hmm. uh, all mu musicians have used this idea of saying like, look, the chords are gonna change, the rhythm's gonna change. What happens if I take 
a pitch or a sound or a chord or whatever and pull it through and just hold it there. It creates all of this tension around it on either side because everything is spinning around this one central note or chord or pitch. Right. It's really, it's a really cool... Yeah, it's almost like another image. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you like pull a like a rubber band tight like that's the pitch yeah and then you like kind of flick it a little and right. it's moving up and down but it keeps getting it smaller keeps getting and smaller, and smaller, and smaller. And smaller yep it tightens back into stasis yeah. like what it wants to do yeah. is to stop right like what it wants to do is it and plus you're you're exactly right when you pull the rubber band like that mm-hmm. it's full of like kinetic energy right right it's waiting yeah. It's like waiting to be plucked. Right. It's exactly like but that. But then like you pluck it and it just moves back right. to where it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, such a good song. It's such a good song. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote the full Monty and then was moving on to write Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Now I remember when this was all happening and mm-hmm. it was like the full Monty is like dirty white boys in Buffalo, New York, like working class, whatever. And then everyone was like, that's weird. How is he going to write South of France, like high, whatever. And the truth is like musically, he didn't write bar band music Mm -hmm. for the full Monty. And then like, you know, Viennese waltzes for, Like, he, he was, both of them have his same musical intelligence. In The Full Monty, uh, You Walk With Me mm-hmm. is a really beautiful love song. It's just a really standard, like, love song. Yeah. And could be nothing more than just the kind of music that we hear at any given time. Like, um... You Walk With Me comes close to being like an American Idol type song, like mm-hmm. a song that you would sing to show off your vocal range or whatever, yeah. except for that he does these really gorgeous modalities throughout where he will move into chords that aren't in the chord progression. Yeah. And he will use them by, by carrying over notes that exist in the chords that he's got and then restructuring them. And it's, what ends up happening is that it feels less like a pop love song and more like a Bach chorale. Hmm. Like it, it feels, the places where he's challenging your ear feel like richnesses that, mm-hmm. he's, that he's putting on it. And then um, Michael Jordan's Ball, which is also in Full Monty, um, I am probably going to use this word wrong, but there's uh, what I think is called a hemiola in the rhythm rhythmic section. Mm-hmm. So it's this like it's just this straight and then in the middle of it it's it's like all these all these um, four beats within three uh-huh. that don't that don't quite work and. It is unsettling and it's perfect because it's Michael Jordan's ball. Yeah. And Michael Jordan, when you watched him play, you couldn't figure out which way he was going. Right. And so, like, 
he he always builds the music with these musical clues mm -hmm. that um, that feed into the lyrical and plot structure ideas. I think you also mentioned that he uses these to kind of further the story. Yeah. So, like in Band's Visit, mm -hmm. when we want to, we know almost nothing yeah. about one of the characters who is the father-in-law to one of the guys who's invited one of the band members mm. to stay at his place. Yeah. Like, we know nothing about this guy. <laughs> and what we learn from him, we only learn from the song that he sings. Yeah. And it's he sings a song about his now um, dead wife. Oh, what and, song is that? Oh, The Beat of Your Heart. Ah, okay. So in The Beat of Your Heart, um, we don't know anything about him mm -hmm. except that he's singing about his dead wife. And then, but you hear the song. And the song is that great, like, bump, 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 bump. Bump, bump, all the way through it. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about when he met her. Yeah. She was the girl with the ribbons in her hair. Mm -hmm. And she was dancing with someone else, but in music and love, all is fair. And <laughs> he was playing on stage. She saw him. They ended up dancing together. Mm -hmm. What we know now is that his daughter is there. His daughter is married, and they have a baby. Yeah, He's a grandfather. Um, and that she's gone. But what we know, because of the way the song exists, not just the lyrics, but like the joyous nature of the song, like this is how love starts, this is how love feels, and we know that this guy is just a joy to be around. Yeah. And we don't get to spend any time with him in the show. Like we don't get to see him, we don't get to like be close to him because right. there are so many characters there's so many other things going on and like we because of how the song is written we love him mm -hmm. he just seems like such a great guy yeah and the his son-in-law has a song in the second act mm -hmm. um the lullaby that he sings yeah. to his baby which by the way is an absolute killer. It's absolutely amazing. And it's the second time David Yazbek has written a like murderously beautiful lullaby. In, uh, in Full Monty, uh, there's a song called Breeze Off the River, which is um, up there with one of my favorite songs yeah. in the canon, like not just the, of his, but I think it's right. such a beautiful song. Um, and that song, it does something brilliant rhythmically. Mm -hmm. It's in it's in four all the way through. It's yeah. just a very simple song done in four. But every few measures, he adds a couple of quarter notes. Mm. So the song sounds like he's tripping. Yeah. Like as he's singing it, he's he's singing this lullaby to his baby. Yeah. And the, the lullaby he sings is, there is a beautiful house with a beautiful baby who's asleep and a father who's been given a wonderful life. Right. I'm sorry that's not me, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry that's not you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
it is terrible. Yeah. Like, it is absolutely heart-wrenching. And as he's singing the song, he can't even sing it and stay in perfect 4-4. Right. Like, he can't stay in the parameters. Yeah. He can't <laughs> hold a job. He can't make his wife happy. He can't stop his baby from crying. He can't even sing in 4-4. Like, the, there are all of these musical cues that he gives us all the way through that are sort of extra textural. Like, they are beyond the text. They're beyond the music. There are these hints about who these characters are. Right. Um, one of the things that I think makes Katrina Link's performance so riveting mm-hmm. is that her character talks and sings and talks like she's in a scene Omar Sharif begins with her talking and they're going back and forth and she's talking about like when she used to watch TV with her mom and the next thing you know she's sustaining that speech through song and then a moment later she's like you know extended and open and broad and then she folds back in Mm -hmm. like the number takes off and then it lands back into the scene Mm -hmm. um uh it is what it is the third or fourth song in the show um she's having a conversation and about how disappointing love is and how disappointing you know her husband is and everything yeah and in the middle of the conversation, she sings the song, and then she simply stops singing the song and continues the scene. Mm-hmm. The audience doesn't even get a chance to clap. <laughs> like, there's no end to the song. It right. just She goes, blah, 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 anyway, and goes like, right into the rest of the show. And, like, that's who she is. She's a person with no patience. She's a person who does not suffer fools. And, like, those are all clues that are going through the entire yeah. play. And speaking of are uh, going back to uh theme of stasis it is it is what it is what a <laughs> yeah <laughs> another exactly. song that is all about <laughs> right right exactly stasis. well let's move on to our why is this so good section with and we're not going to be moving very far because we're also going to be talking about a song from the band's visit which is the final song answer me um, so yeah, why did you pick this song for this section? Um, well, there, the way it fits into the rest of the show that we've like been talking about the entire time mm-hmm. is one of the things that makes it so so beautiful. There, there has been this, there has been this stasis. There has yeah. been this. Everyone is frozen throughout mm-hmm. this entire play. Yeah. Even the people who come to the town are frozen in their own way. And then throughout the show, there's been this poor guy standing at a payphone right. waiting for his girlfriend to call him. Yeah. And it's it's ridiculous. This poor schmuck <laughs> is just standing there. And like the characters walk past him and they're like, has she called? And he always says, not yet, but soon. Right. And it's like, dude, she's not going to call you. That is crazy. Yeah. And he's there all day, and he's there all night, and he's there, like, as, like, the morning's coming up. It's just absurd. He's there for the entirety of the show. 
And then the, the, as the show continues, that goes on, all of these other scenes happen. Sometimes we see him in the background. <laughs> Sometimes he's in the foreground. Yeah. The show has gone through, uh, if it's 90 minutes or whatever, yeah. we're, we're 85 minutes into the show. And the rotating part of the show, uh, of the set, starts pulling around. And there he is, <laughs> still standing in front of the stupid phone. Yeah. And like every time I saw it, the people around me started laughing because they're like, oh my God, this guy, yeah. this guy, why is he still there? Like, what does he think is going to happen? Right. And all, every song so far has been this sort of musically challenging piece. Yeah. Um, some of it is just modally strange. Some of it is very Arabic. Um, uh, Poppy Hears the Ocean is all like chromatics going all the way down. And musically, it starts with just an inverted triad. And the song starts with him tracing a, a C major triad. Thousands, yeah. thousands and thousands of songs use it. Yeah. Um, of course, if you listen to the chord structures that Yazbek is using, it's mm -hmm. all suspensions and sixths and ninths, and it's this beautiful, like, rolling um, sound underneath. But structurally, it's C major, A minor, F, G. That's mm -hmm. all it is. And he is in he is finally we've pulled him to our attention and he just says here i am mm. where are you mm. and it's this it's this incredible moment because it is the simplest thing that we've heard so far in the show yeah. musically lyrically everything it's the first time that we've seen someone who isn't frozen He's yearning. Mm. He's not he's not waiting. He's trying. He has nowhere to go. He can't move. He can't do anything. He is with the sheer force of his will mm. on a piece of electronics. <laughs> he's trying to make it do a thing. Yeah. Um for me, the lyric, the the second verse, he sings all alone in the quiet. And my ears are thirsty yeah. for your voice. Uh, it's just that word "thirsty" is just so it's so unexpected. fantastic. Yeah. And like when you're missing somebody so badly, like mm -hmm. when you just when you're just dying to hear from someone, yeah. the idea of your ears being thirsty for yeah. their voice is so so gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and 
so this this is an absolutely beautiful moment. It's right. it's it's him sitting there yearning, and then he says like, "If I try, maybe I could see your shadow. If I try, um, maybe I could fly off like a sparrow. Like, if I just try, if I yearn hard enough. Oh, and by the way, musically, that moment is also br- brilliant because he's been doing just C A minor F G, right. staying right in the same thing." And when he goes, if I try, it goes to A flat major, oh. which is ridiculously not in the key. Right, right. Like it is, it's a, a flat six chord. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, obviously it makes sense. You can use any chord you want, <laughs> but like it doesn't make any sense and with like. With what he's set up right. as like, this is where right. we are. Yeah. And by the way, it's a trick he's used before uh-huh. musically in Breeze Off the River uh-huh. in Full Monty. He's in a different key there, but he goes to the major flat six for th- another gorgeous yeah. change. desperate and longing and the music sets him up perfectly he seems simple yeah he seems pathetic yeah why would you just stand in front of the phone like what is no the why do you have hope that's crazy yeah nothing ever happens here haven't you been listening to the rest of the show (laughs) everyone's been telling you all along that nothing ever happens here Right. And he gets to the end of that section and he says, um, he says very soon, very soon, that's the sound of longing. Like the, this, what I'm saying, that's what longing sounds like. Yeah. And then he says, will you answer me? Mm. Nothing. There's nothing there. So he turns around and he walks off stage mm. and he gets almost to the edge and the phone rings. Mm-hmm. And he sprints back. <laughs> and when he answers the phone, he's speaking in Hebrew now. Yeah. And whoever's on the other end is also speaking in Hebrew. So they put the conversation in super titles mm-hmm. on the wall behind him. And he says, um, hi, how are you? And he says, I'm good. And then like, there's a little bit of dialogue. And then he says, um, I'm wearing the sweater you gave me. It's keeping me warm. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It's so incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely gobsmacking. And as that's happening, the, the thing keeps turning, the set keeps turning, yeah. and we see some of the other characters starting to pull around from the back. Right. And it's the couple with the baby who won't sleep, and it's the characters who have been in the background, you know, roller skating and carrying rifles mm-hmm. and all these different people and they sing um, in my dreams my beloved lies beside me when the sun lights the room I find it's only me like I in my dreams I'm not here in my dreams it's all what I want it to be everything has changed but then when I wake up it's only me 
and then the chorus starts singing to one another, only you, only you, only you when the sun is gone, only you when the moon is, and they're singing back and forth to each other, they are saying, like, we can make this connection. Yeah. We don't have to wait for things to change. Right. And the husband and wife who've been fighting the whole show collapse into each other's arms, like, mm-hmm. with the baby who won't sleep. And as they're singing this whole gorgeous, incredible, like, uh, rich, beautiful, big chords, the, thing, the set keeps turning, and our telephone guy pops back up and he comes around the circle and there's this brilliant moment where he says when the sun and the moon and the stars are all gone all that's left is only you and the show has been cynical Mm -hmm. the show has said there's nothing it is what it is there's nothing it is what it is like this stuff is not going to work out you can talk about how you once loved her, but she's dead now. Mm-hmm. You can talk about your husband, but he's gone. And then Tufik talks about his wife, who, um, who died, and his son, who died. Yeah. And they're all gone. And this cynicism that pervades everything in this one moment at the end, it's like the creators of this show want to say, sure, yeah, like we've had the good stuff and now it's over but like you can want more and we can make it happen like you said it goes from the show moves from waiting to yearning right which is set up by her uh lyric in the beginning yeah of the show in the song waiting that yeah. there's two kinds of waiting right there's the waiting where you're just kind of waiting right and not doing anything and then there's the yearning which is kind of like uh has like a little desire under it like a kind of pull that like it will eventually pull you out that's exactly right that's exactly right yeah 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 Mm -hmm. she says like there's the waiting where you are looking for something new or something strange and then there's the waiting where you know it's nothing's ever going to happen and the show you move from everyone mm-hmm. being in that second hopelessness right. to like the promise, like the promise of something new, of something changing. Yeah, something different, which is one of the songs Yeah, uh, that she sings, yeah. Katrina Link's character, um, that is basically just her feeling something is something different from before. Yeah. But that's all, like, that's all they need. Like, that's, it's yeah. such... The thing with the show is, like, it's so small. Like, that shift is, like, all it takes. Right. To feel like they're, like they're not just waiting anymore. Right. And, and, like, all of these tiny moments where, like, the guy in the band who plays the um, clarinet has written a piece, but he never finished right, it. Right, right. He finishes it because the baby needs to sleep. Right. So he goes in and plays for the baby, but the baby's not asleep yet, so he has to play more notes. Right. And he finds them. And when he finds them, he finishes his piece. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's this promise that if you just have a little hope mm-hmm. and you just keep writing more notes. Yeah. And, and like, just how people are connected. Like, 
if he kept sitting alone in a room trying to finish the piece, he, it wouldn't have happened because right. he needed another person to need it. Yeah. theater world that we are excited about or looking forward to. Dave Malloy has a new show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, a, well, he's got two new shows. <laughs> he's um, got five, ten new I'm shows. sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he's just, he's just spinning stuff out. Yeah. Um, I found myself sort of in the right place at the right time for no good reason um, to hear some of the music from Octet, which is his, the show that's going up. Yeah. at the signature mm-hmm. um and then he's also writing he's he's musicalizing moby dick oh right right the advent of the podcast musical mm-hmm. i'm very excited about yeah um i don't know if you've heard 36 questions there was a show called uh song knots which mm-hmm. was written by jonathan mann who um holds the world record for writing a song a day for something like seven years. Whoa. Yeah. Um, song Knots is a really fun, silly little yeah. show. Um, and then uh, John Cameron Mitchell's got Yes, the... I was going to mention that. I started listening to that. Oh, you did? He is a master of using genre and trope, like, mm-hmm. uh, all the way through Hedvig. Like, the music informs every single moment. Like, yeah. I'm really excited to hear what it's going to be. I haven't, I haven't started listening to it yet. Yeah, I mean, it's doing so far. Um, aside from just like enjoying, you know, his writing and the um, the music, um, he's doing really cool things with sound. Anthem homunculus. Yeah. The app that it's on is called uh, Luminary. Luminary. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. Please write to us at scenetosong at gmail.com at any time with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Follow Scene to Song on Twitter at Scene Song as well as on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. And be sure to rate us on iTunes, review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.